Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Hello. Oh, look, I've had I've had a morning. I've had it twenty four hours actually. I've had um, <laughs> some Bill Ben, not Ben. Port no Bill. Oh my goodness! Why did I call? Why did we call our dogs I two B words? It's know. very hard. Anyway, Ben pooed in Bill's bed and then walked it all around the house and the couches. Multiple. He did it on two couches. Then I cleaned the whole thing and changed it. And then he weed on the bed as an extra surprise, just because it was clean. And then I have just this morning spilt an entire cup of coffee on my MacBook and I am absolutely devastated. And it was really bad to the point that it was a whole cup, but every single person in our team got up and said, oh my God, and ran to get paper towel. Like, and, and it was, anyway. So, um, yeah, and then I posted it on my story and someone... Someone wrote to me and I, I'm going to take this as, as something funny but also not sure that my life is like a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a clumsy life that you lead but um, I wouldn't say that your life is a series of unfortunate events. You have some very fortunate events too. Very, I laughed. I, I did laugh. Um, how are you? How are you? Have you spilt anything? How, I mean, you did get poo on you yesterday. <laughs> I did. I got poo on me, but from a little human, not a dog. Um, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. We had an interesting night last night. He, he's he been sleeping really good, but then he'll just have a random night where he doesn't sleep as good. And I found out now, I've worked it out, if he doesn't poo before he goes to sleep, then he'll likely have a really restless night. Um, to be honest, it's I feel really, really bad. I need to cut dairy out of my diet. I've been told many times to give it a go and that it helps with their upset tummies. And every time I trial it, I get about two days in and then I totally forget and I'll have cheese or something because I'm a huge What about milk so chocolate? It's, Is that milk chocolate as well? Yeah, and that too. Well, uh, I, I think like some people are like, oh, just like minimise it as much as you can. And then other people are like, no, no, no. The only way that it like actually makes a difference is if you cut it out completely. So I kind of want to believe the people that just say minimise <laughs> But anyway, so I have a feeling it's it's my own fault. But yeah, if he poos before he goes to bed, he's been so good. He's been sleeping like at least six hours straight, which has been amazing. Um, whereas last night, when did we put him down? We put him down at about nine. Um, he was kind of restless, but was okay. We didn't go to bed till about 11. Um, and then he woke up. No, Josh woke up at one because Josh... Um, did his neck lifting something the other day and oh no anyway so he woke up at one got up and like had to take painkillers or like a sleeping thing or something so we woke up then and then Harvey woke up at two and so I went up and fed him because he hadn't fed since like I don't know 8 p.m and then he went back to bed and then woke up again at like 4 30 and then <laughs> so it's just a really it's a really up and down night but um we've had a nice slow morning so it's been it's been good. And the sun is shining and he's smiley and happy. And it just feels like it feels like in the morning after a rough night like that, it's not always forgiven because it's not their fault, but all is forgotten when they smile and like start chatting at you. You're just like, oh, that's OK. You can do that to me. <laughs> so a poo before bed. You've got to get him on Metamucil. No, obviously do not give a newborn Metamucil. 
<laughs> Can you massage no, your stomach no, no, or something no. to increase digestion? Oh Don't gosh. try that at but, home um, Actually, on um, sleep and everything like that, um, I'll, I'll go ahead with my special share this week. Um, it is actually an app called Huckleberry, um, and it's my special share because I love it. And when I shared a story the other day of his 11 and a half hour stretch of sleep, which was insanely great, um, so many people messaged and asked what app I use to track his sleeps and everything like that. So Huckleberry, you can actually track like almost everything you can track feeds, whether you bottle feed, formula feed, um, or bottle feed, breast fit feed, whatever type of feed you can, um, record it. Um, you can do sleeps, you can, and, and when you track the nap, you can say where they napped, was it in the car? Was it, were they being held? Um, and then even like, um, the diapers and all that sort of stuff. So when they're early, early newborn, they tell you doctors and stuff, tell you to kind of keep track of that sort of stuff so that, you can see that he's, you know, he or she is weighing enough, pooing enough or whatever. Um, and it's also just like really helpful to know how long they've been awake for, how long they're napping for. Um, and I can also see like how long ago it was I fed. So he's probably hungry and, and you can connect it with your partner as well so that they can check on it too. So it's been really helpful for Josh and I. So if you're a new mum and you want something to track all of that sort of stuff, Huckleberry. And then if, even if you're a friend and you know someone's about to have a baby, maybe give them a recommendation because I found it really easy to use. Love it. Yeah. Do you want to know mine? <laughs> What's your special show? Show I didn't even today? ask you yours. Sorry, that was so rude. Uh, well, mine <laughs> is the Olympics. I have not been – I mean, I already shared that last weekend and I feel like last week – Obviously, we all know what's on, but I have not been consuming anything else. I just love mm. the Olympics and I want it to be on all year round. And I just can't believe how incredible our athletes are. And it's like a big mm. shout out to our female athletes. They have absolutely mm. killed it. Um, and it's just, oh my goodness. It's just, it's, I just love it. I just, I'm, I'm running mm. faster. I'm kicking it better. <laughs> I'm just so inspired. I literally have, and I wonder if anyone else has this. I have a running commentary in my head as if I was an athlete. <laughs> in the Olympics. That's so good though. Yes. I'm very excited that we have also, um, the 800 metres, we've got, uh, in, that's, a, that's a men's race, that we have got an uh, an athlete, an Australian athlete in the 800 metre final. It is just amazing. And anyway, there's, it's just, yeah, I'm really happy about it. And I'm, they're, they're ending oh. at the end of the week. There's only a few days left to watch, I think. I think it is at the end of the week. Um, but yeah, I have just loved the Olympics. Yeah, it's pretty inspiring and, and, and motivating. Um, yesterday, I actually got the all clear to be able to start implementing a little bit more of our kick hit workouts and even jogging into my routine, um, which is so exciting. And it's funny because I'm definitely a kind of strength and Pilates and yoga lover over hit training and definitely prefer walking over running. But when I'm told I can't do something, it makes me so motivated to want to do it. So I, I haven't wanted to run, you know, more in my life. And then especially watching the Olympics, I'm not a runner, but watching them, I'm like, oh, I really want to go for a run tomorrow. So I'm excited to go for my first jog. I think I'll, I think I'll do one this week. So very exciting. I'm excited to see how I go. I'm excited <laughs> for you. Um, and now for our kick 
Update. So we've got a few kick updates mm. for you guys. So this week we kicked off our wild card challenge. So that started on Monday. If you haven't joined yet, you are so welcome to come and join us. What it is, is from Monday to Friday for the next four weeks, we will be dropping new challenges every single day in the app on your kick planner. They're five to 10 minute challenges and they, you can do them by yourself themselves, or you can add them to your kick workouts. It's just about moving every day and challenging your personal fitness level. Yeah, I'm so excited. I've set myself a goal um, because I'm not fully back in the swing of things of doing at least three of them each week. Um, And they just, they all look so good. I think I'm just going to favorite them all so that I can go back and do them another time. Yeah, it's awesome. So much fun and so easy. We can all do five minutes. So uh, yeah, you can, we've got it. What am I trying to say? Well, I'm trying to say we have a free trial. We have got a seven day free trial. So if you want to, if you like the sound of the challenge, you want to give it a go before you commit, we have got a seven day free trial that you can access on our app or on our website, www.keepitcleaner.com. And then we have had to very sadly reschedule, which we spoke about last week, but we just wanted to make sure everyone was aware we have had to reschedule our Melbourne and Sydney kick tour date. So Perth is still on the 28th of August. There's been no change. Melbourne is now on the 4th of September and Sydney is on the 14th of November. Yeah, and we're very, very, very excited. Um, So if you can come to any of those, please come. We can't wait to see you guys. We really missed it last year. Um, And then the last kick update, in case you guys weren't already aware, as well as our incredible Keeper Cleaner Facebook community, um, which is I think we talk about it all the time, how how much we love it in there. We've also added a new one for kick bump. So if you're a new mum or you're pregnant and you're doing the kick bump um, program, feel free to jump on to our kick bump Facebook community. It's kind of like an online virtual mothers group. It's It's been a really beautiful space to kind of encourage each other and share little tips and tricks and everything. I'm, I'm really enjoying that space. Yeah, I'm in there too. And I think it's just super cute. <laughs> I love it. You can also still win tickets uh, the competition to the kick tour. The competition ends on Sunday. So we'll put the link to enter nice. if you want to win tickets in the show notes. And now for today's episode. So today we have got two incredible women, Caitlin and Anna, who are the founders of Lady Brains. We highly recommend you check Lady Brains out. They have, you can find them on their website, which we'll put in their show in the show notes and they've also got an amazing podcast they have got some incredible insights on being women in business being entrepreneurs as they are and also advice career advice um what else we go into imposter syndrome combating that Mm. self-doubt overcoming things that are holding us back in our careers there is so much and even if if you're you know you're really happy in your career right now and you might not think that you you know wanted to listen to something like this I highly recommend staying on listening because we go into a lot of things that help I feel in in all aspects of life so absolutely this was yeah we really loved this chat we could have chatted to the to the two girls for hours but unfortunately we couldn't we just could go for one hour so <laughs> we hope you enjoy 
Welcome, Caitlin and Anna. We're so excited to have you on the Kick Pod. We came on your podcast, which just came out yesterday, which was awesome. And we're so excited to have you on now to share your incredible wisdom with our community. Because there are two of you, if it's okay to start off with, do you mind both introducing yourselves so then we know who is speaking and we know your voices and we know a little bit about you? So I'm Anna. <laughs> and I'm Caitlin. We do sound... Some people think we sound similar. You kind of do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we sound so different. Well, I mean, we do because we have our own voices <laughs> and we know. listen to it ourselves all day, every day. But a lot of people do say, oh, sometimes I find it tricky to dis- yeah, distinguish, distinguish who, who's, who's who. speaking, who's who in the zoo. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're the brunette. I'm the blonde. It doesn't, like, doesn't help for a podcast. Caitlin, blonde. No, that doesn't help because there's no visual cue. Okay. <laughs> I love also um, that you both just said who's who at the zoo in sync. So oh, did we? we did so we? I didn't even realise. And that's often what we'll do. Like yeah. we have a very similar, like we'll say the same things at the yep. same time. I mean, so Caitlin and I, for context, have been best mates since we were in year seven. So we've been best friends for 20 years. We have lived together. We've travelled together. We've been in business together for the last four years. So when you spend so much, it's kind of like yeah. you guys, right? Like yeah. when you spend so much time <laughs> with one person, you start to think the same. Like oftentimes Caitlin will say something and be like, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I just knew it. We so, finish each other's sentences. Yeah, yeah. yeah we are <laughs> off quite often in sync. And like I like to say, I mean, obviously our business is called Lady Brains and we have one brain between us. Like we share a brain. We often share a because brain. Because often there's just similar things going on in there. So yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. It is funny. But, um, but yeah, I'm Caitlin. That's and Anna. I'm Anna. <laughs> <laughs> and before you started Lady Brains, can you talk us through yeah. quickly, both of you individually, what your kind of journey from high school to Lady Brains was in an elevator pitch. If oh, that's okay. Oh. That's going to be, that's okay. Yep. So when I, um, I studied business psychology and politics at university and I, my whole life goal was to become a spy and work in intelligence. And in my last year of university, I went through the in- recruitment process for one of the spy agencies and it was my only like goal to get that job. And I failed in the very last, um, last stage which was 10 months in and so at that point I was completely lost and I was like what am I going to do all the grad jobs had been taken up I was literally like my hands were tired I had no idea what to do and I um, I applied for the last grad job role that came into my inbox which was for Uniqlo the Japanese fashion retailer and so I ended up getting that job moving to Tokyo and Singapore and helping to launch the brand in Australia which was very exciting. It was an amazing first entry into like the work, the workforce, I guess. Um, and then ultimately I ended up at Mecca. So I was working at Mecca, heading up uh, concept development and innovation there. And I was there for four years. Um, and during that time, we started Lady Brains as a side hustle on the side. So we had always wanted to start a business together. We'd like have all these crazy ideas we wanted to start a divorcee dating app at 21. <laughs> we like wanted to create a sweat towel business and had all these ridiculous ideas um, and none of them landed at all. But during the time I was at Mecca, Caitlin was working for herself and we were like, let's just start a dinner, dinner club with other entrepreneurial women because like we know we want to we start something, but we didn't quite know what it was, but we knew we needed great people around us in order to find the idea and execute on it. So we started a dinner and we had eight women Mm. at the first one. And then the next month it was like, oh, more people wanted to come. And the next month it was more and more. And then we're like, oh, shit, we need to have a landing page to capture these email addresses because it was getting to a point where we were booking out entire restaurants because 
there were so many women who were looking for just these connections with other entrepreneurial founders. Um, and that's how it started as a side hustle. And two years after that, it was a fully, well, it was only like nine months after the, the dinners, I think we started the podcast, but it was two years in that we quit our jobs to go full time and we were like, yeah, this is a business. Yeah. It's no longer just like a passion project. It's a business. Um, and that was two years ago. Feels like five minutes ago. I thought you were going to say it feels like like five years ago. It feels like five minutes ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, we went, yeah, we, so yeah, we went to New York and we, so Anna quit her job. I wound down my practice. I've got to go back now. But um, yeah, we went to New York and we did a recording and that was, it's crazy that that's two years ago. Over two years. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, where is the last two years? Oh, where, where is it all gone? So my story is a little bit different. So I studied um, business marketing and arts, media and communications and sociology, if I've got that right. And I um, I did a bit of a stint um, studying over at the University of Miami in the US and um fell in love and I ended up kind of doing these inter- internships and working over there um, in media actually in for a magazine. And that's kind of where I fell in love with this whole concept of, um, yeah, media and words and kind of podcasting and all these wonderful things. So I was there for a little while. I came back and when I came back, I was like, okay, I've got to get a real job, like a nine to five job. Like, come on, you know, the parents like, Kaylin, time to, you know, stop having, stop having fun over in Miami, come back. So I came back and um, I went into a marketing role in um, the manufacturing industry, which, you know, is just so far from anything that I really truly love Um, but it was a great experience I did learn a lot Um, but that's when I kind of figured um, you know what do I want to be doing for the rest of my life you know where's my passion and so um, yeah I actually started looking into and studying positive psychology which is the scientific study of how humans flourish and so I started looking into that um, and I studied positive psychology I started to match that up with my marketing and business skills and I started my own kind of marketing consulting practice which is pretty crazy at 25 so I did that I helped um, some of the world's leaders in pos psych and well-being um, you know establish their their websites and and their brands um, which was really really cool I learned a lot in that time and as Anna said, we kind of just started dabbling with business ideas on the side and um, Lady Brains was the one that stuck. Well, well it, it wasn't really like that though because it was never meant to be the business. No. It was never meant to be the business. It was just like yeah. it was the passion and then when we got all this traction from women who wanted to be involved, we were like, okay, there's something in this. Yeah, there's the a I- need here. The business ideas that we did try to make work failed and then the one yeah. that was like, Oh, passion this, project. The passion project, the one that was super organic, actually did end up sticking. But it's um, a lot. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does say a lot, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, you've got to find something that you truly love to do. Um, and here we are. And here we are. So we wanted to start. I think a lot of people, especially in lockdown at the mm. moment, is are feeling a little unmotivated in many aspects of their life. Um, but I think also for creatives, it's a really hard time as well. Mm. What are some tips that you guys have? I mean, how did you find you could like create some space for creativity and stuff when you're in lockdown? It was really hard. Mm. It was really, really hard. And I think finding space for creativity when you run a business anyway can be really hard because there's just like the never ending list of stuff to do. And I think especially like we're in the content business as well as you guys. And so it's relentless. Like it's just relentless. Podcasts, emails, social Mm. media, blogs, et cetera. So I think 
being in business and finding space to, for creativity is really hard anyway. And then you add lockdown onto that and it's like you have to be really, really intentional about it. And I think for us or I think for me um, – Space kind of means a few things. Like I think physical space for me is one of the things that is really important for creativity. I remember when we were um, in New York with CJ Hendry, the artist, and she was talking about how like her studio is so freaking huge <laughs> because she needs that space to be creative. And I think physical space is really important, but when you're in lockdown, you mm. don't have that. Mm. So for me last year, I think from a physical point of view, it was like getting outside. Yeah getting out into nature, getting yep. out in the garden, um, yeah, to kind of like let the let the mind kind of wander. Definitely, yeah, that space was so important. I remember just walking and walking and walking and I think everyone has their thing, like their thing that allows them to tap into their creativity and to find that space and for me it was just, yeah, getting out in nature, going for really long walks and I find that quite meditative and I think meditation and creativity are very um, interlinked but I also think there's something really important to discuss even before you go searching for space it's the acknowledgement that we are all creative because I think there's so many people out there that are like, I'm not a creative person. Mm-hmm. And that's a lie. That's yeah. a straight up lie. You know, I think that if you're alive, if you're a living human yeah. being, you are creative in, in any possible way. You know, we're all creative in our own mm. different endeavours and it could be, you know, cooking, it could be gardening, it could be art, you know, and, and design, it could be anything. So I think acknowledging the fact that you are creative mm. gives you the permission to be able to go out there and find that space and act creatively. Speaking of that space and those mm. blurred lines mm. with work, I mean, I found with lockdown, I had to have like a desk and that's where, you know, yeah. I, I went to yep. that desk to work. Yep. Um, I tried not to work on the dining table and stuff like yep. that because that's when it really blurred for me. Yep. And it's funny because even um, Karen and Jamie, who are yoga instructors on our app, they often say like, make sure with your yoga, if you want to practice it mm-hmm. regularly, you find a space and you create a space that you always do yoga in that space. And then that'll make it like you sit on the mat and you, your body just like instantly is yeah. calm and like ready to do a flow. It's kind of the same with work. For me, it was like, as soon as I was at my desk, I, I felt like I was ready to work. And I knew that when I was removed from my desk, it was kind of my boundary. Of course, like it still is blurred. You're still in the same yeah. house and it, you know, it was harder. But for me, I think having that little space that mm. was like, okay, this is my work zone helped me a bit. Definitely. Mm, yeah. No, I think you've, you've um, hit the nail on the head there. It's creating that physical space where you can go and kind of, yeah, almost trick or train your brain to yeah. think, okay, I'm in this kind of um, zone now. I'm in my work zone or in my, you know, exercise zone or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the other thing I think is also... Um, as well as creating kind of that space, if if you do find that, you know, you're struggling to kind of transition from one thing to the next, put it in the diary. Like I find that really helpful. Like even put creative time in the diary. You know, this is, this is an hour of creativity. Could be in the morning when you get up, you're feeling a little bit more refreshed. Could be an evening thing. Maybe you just want to switch, switch off and be creative. I think it's fine to put that stuff at the moment in the calendar because it just holds you accountable. So it's like having the physical space, popping it in your calendar and knowing that that time is sacred and it's there and that you can use it in any way possible. That was sort of related to what I was going to say, which is like space from inputs, like space mm. from notifications. Mm. You know, mm. I especially last year, I think, you know, I mean, it was so challenging for everyone and I had a lot of anxiety around that. And 
I'm also the kind of person that's like, if someone emails me, I need to respond. If someone slacks me, I need to respond. If someone messages me, I need to respond. Mm-hmm. Like I need to respond in, you know, three hours. Minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Why do you think that is? Because I'm the same and I, I'm wondering what... <laughs> I get, I get, you have about 200 unread text messages on your phone. <laughs> you know what's funny though for me? It's And this your is work, really bad. Yeah, my yeah. work is non-negotiable, whereas I have 200 life unread... Yeah. Life admin. 200 unread text messages. But if I get a Slack yeah. and I haven't replied within 20 minutes, I'm really stressed about it. Yeah. yeah. And I... I hold it in my brain. Yeah. So I'm like, I have these, like I, I have 30 emails in my brain that I yeah. know that I have to go back to. I remember <laughs> every detailed piece of information. It's just how my brain works. And so like, if I don't respond to that, it causes me a lot of yeah. anxiety. But one thing that I've really tried to do in the last probably two or three months is be really strict with myself and be like, you know what, if it's a day or if it's half a day, I'm not going to be on Slack. Mm. I'm not going to book meetings. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at social media. And that for me is the space where I can get creative because I, for me, I can't, you know, I I think for some people putting it in the diary would work, but for me, like, I'm like, I need a big stretch of time where I can just think and I can kind of like approach problems and not have the constant inputs that kind of derail you. Like it's really hard to be creative, manage creativity almost. Yeah, and we do lots of different things. And so we're kind of pulled in so many different directions and that can be really tricky. As you said, you know, you're like, you don't have that space or that time to really focus and go deep, which I think you do when you want to be creative. You need that time and that space. Um, And I think it takes a lot of guts, right? It takes a lot of guts to be to be creative, like it's quite brave because you're putting yourself out there. I think that's the mm. other thing that I wanted to, you know, talk about. Like it's being creative, it is a reflection of who you are in a way. It's your thoughts, it's your ideas, it's it's it, it's there to kind of be judged, let's be honest. I mean, people look at it and go, and they have their opinion and that's absolutely fine. So I think it takes a lot of guts to to put yourself out there and be creative. But yeah, just being kind and 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 being kind to yourself and and just understand kind of detaching yourself from the outcome I think is probably mm-hmm. something that we've started to learn to do. It's like it's not it's the hard. end. It's it's hard. <laughs> it's so but hard. it's like it's not the end yeah. goal. It's the process. Like yeah. go yeah. through the process. You're going to fail. Like it's mm. it's probably not always going to work out, but detach yourself from it and um just enjoy it as much as possible, especially now. Like everything else is so hard right now. Like you don't need to put the added <laughs> pressure of, you know, your outcomes not not being what you want. So, yeah. I think that's such great advice. And, I mean, there's so many things that we want to get advice mm. from you both on. It was really hard planning this podcast because <laughs> we were like, we can't go into 25 topics because we'll be talking for three hours. We or, would. Or I feel like we could. Yeah. <laughs> we could. So the next thing we wanted to chat about, and I am very interested to hear your personal experiences mm. with this and also what you actually – because some people don't believe in what I'm about to ask you, and, and that's about imposter, imposter syndrome. <laughs> and I think as two women especially kind of being – running the business, you guys are the co-founders of your business, it's almost I feel like imposter syndrome is even harder to kind of get out of your head because – you don't have that constant feedback of being in a huge corporate business mm-hmm. and kind of knowing, you know, what other people think of you because it's kind of, you know, you guys are the leaders of your company. So first, there was a, a <laughs> lot of questions in that question. Loaded question. Do you believe in imposter syndrome? <sighs> have you experienced it? And oh, I love this question. <laughs> I love this topic. Um, yes, I've definitely experienced it. I experience it daily. Um, I don't think there would be many people out there 
that haven't experienced it. And I know that, you know, um, there's so much data and so much out there on um, imposter syndrome and self-doubt. And there is a study by the, the International Journal of Behavioural Science that says 70% of people have experienced some kind of imposter feeling before in their life. And I think that would be a low number, to be quite honest. I think at one point we've all had a thought, I don't, I don't know if I'm meant to be the person doing this or oh, did I land that or, you know, could someone else have done that better than me? I think everyone's had that thought at some stage. And, like, you guys run your own business – I'm sure there are thoughts that you've had, oh my God, what the fuck am I doing? Like we have those thoughts, you know, it's, it's real. It's a real thing. Most of the science and most of the studies out there suggest that we look for ways to overcome that, to banish it, to get rid of it, find your confidence. And I'm sure, you know, as you guys scroll through Instagram, like you see all the posts that say that, like they're like, you know, it's a it, it's holding you back. It's detrimental. You need to kind of overcome it. You need to find your confidence. And that's true if it's getting in the way of what you want to do. Like if it's actually stopping you from, say, I don't know, launch, exactly, launching a product or if it's getting in the way of showing up for something that's really important, a presentation, whatever it looks like, that is true. And I think if, you know, you, you it is kind of um, – it's affecting you in such a significant way, then you should definitely look at getting professional help. But there's some really interesting stuff that's coming out at the moment that actually suggests that imposter, um, I don't want to call it syndrome, I guess it's like imposter um, feelings or just, you know, imposter, that imposter phenomenon is beneficial and it drives you and it motivates you. And there's a study that's come out of the Wharton School of Business that actually says that people that experience this imposter feeling are better at interpersonally, like have better interpersonal skills and are better at connecting with people. They're better at asking questions. They're better at encouraging others. And this is quite amazing because if I sat here and said to you, I know everything, I'm confident, I don't have a single imposter thought, that kind of makes me stop trying to learn. It makes, it stops me from asking questions. It kind of, it almost suggests that like, I know everything that that needs, that I need to know on this topic, Yeah, which is really detrimental because you stop having conversations and you stop actually learning more about what it is that, that, you know, whatever it is that you're kind of focused on. So yeah, there's some, I mean, this is such an interesting conversation. I think what you said that is so interesting because mm. I think also you know, I've met some incredibly confident people um, in the workplace before who have almost been at that point, you know, yeah. where they, you know, maybe they thought they are at the top of the game mm. and everything like that, but they haven't been as, I suppose, almost empathetic or, like, cautious of the people around them who might not feel the exact yeah. same way. Yeah. And it's quite interesting that you said that because I think it's, I think it's the same for people who have struggled with mental health. Mm. It's like they're more aware of, you know, what can be going on in someone's brain and, yeah. um, you know, put, putting themselves in other people's shoes and stuff like that. So I think... That actually makes a lot of sense to me and yeah. I'm glad that the studies around it and everything. Yeah. And then you, it. yeah, and, and and that's, it's really interesting. I think, you know, the first thing there is to like be, get curious, like go and start, like look at the studies. The studies are out there and these are, this is new. This is new, not, I mean, relatively new information about, okay, what's actually the upside to self-doubt and imposter syndrome. And that's definitely one of them, which I think is really, really exciting because it can fuel you for success and it can fuel you to perform better and to understand, as you said, connect with people and understand them better. Um, So I love that. But there is also definitely um, 
there's definitely a downside to it as well. And we know that women experience it quite a bit. Um, everyone does, by the way. That study wasn't just women. It was, you know, there's people from all different um, walks of life, men, women, um, and different you know different jobs you know you could be a doctor and and you or you could be you could be anything right and everyone and does experience it at some stage of their life but I definitely think that you know there are ways to almost overcome the emotional side or the side of self-doubt that does hold you back or stops you from kind of acting on whatever it is that you need to do um and like the one thing for me that I really turn to in those moments where I'm like oh god like you know, is, am I the person? Should I be doing this? It's like, it's just this, it's really simple, but it's self-compassion and kindness to yourself. Um, we do it to other people. We're kind to our friends. We're kind to our colleagues. Why would we not be kind to ourselves? And, you know, for me, it's just a simple question. Like, what would a friend say to me? Can I reframe this this um, narrative that's in my head to something a little more positive? Um, you know, we know that like our bodies when we feel fear on the other side of that is also the same, it's the same neurological kind of um, reaction, which is, you know, excitedness and being excited. So can I kind of reframe reframe this as like I'm excited to tackle this instead of I'm fearful of tackling this? Um, So, yeah, self-kindness and self-compassion is definitely two things that I've been looking into and doing quite a bit of research on and, and I find that really helpful. I don't know about you when you kind of feel those moments, if you feel those moments, but what you look to and what you do. Yeah. I think I, of course I do. Like, of course. And I think I hate the word imposter syndrome because like syndrome almost implies Mm. that it's like, there's something wrong wrong and Mm. it's a medical condition or whatever. And I think if there's one thing that I've learned from interviewing all the insane people that we have on the podcast, like people that have built multi-million dollar, billion dollar brands, it's like, Every single person has felt that. Mm. I used to work at Mecca before I um, started Lady Brains with Caitlin and I worked really closely with Joe, the founder, and, like, she experienced it too. And so I think when you realise that even people who are, like, at yeah. the top of their game experience it, it takes away the power mm. and then you go, okay, cool, well, this is just a feeling I'm experiencing, so what should I do next? And I remember probably one of the biggest, like, imposter syndrome moments on this journey for me was when we landed our partnership with Fashion Week and we were doing our podcast yeah. at Fashion Week and I, you know, we were looking at the the run sheet and the website and we were up um, alongside Vogue as a media partner and I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, <laughs> honestly, like, how did we get here? What the fuck are we doing here? You know, we were on stage and we were interviewing people for the podcast. You know, in the next session, Edwina McCann, the editor-in-chief at Vogue, was doing an interview and I'm like, I don't have a background in media. Like I studied business and psychology and politics. I'd never worked in media before, Lady Brains. I'd never worked in journalism. I'd never interviewed anyone. And so I'm like, why am I here? here?" But I think the thing to remember when you're feeling Mm. imposter syndrome is that the only way that you build confidence is through practice. Mm. The only way that you push through those moments is when you do it, like you do the thing, you take action you see that it wasn't that bad and you go, okay, cool, I can do it a little bit better next time. And I think, you know, it's very cliche, but, you know, when you put yourself in those situations that are really damn uncomfortable and, you know, going onto a stage at Fashion Week and interviewing designers, like being live streamed around the world, like that's something we've never done before. And it was really, really hard and stressful. And, you know, there was a lot of imposter syndrome feelings there, but we did the first show and then it was like, cool, we can tackle the next one. And it gets easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets easier. And I think... 
the the action is what pushes you forward you know and and that's when you you learn what you're really capable of and I think those two things like realizing that it's totally normal and like even the most incredible people in the world feel it and the, the way to move through it is just to take small actions. I think that's like, that's all you can do. Yeah, I agree. And like that, that yeah, exactly. That self-doubt is just acknowledging that there's either a skills or a knowledge gap, right? And we all, ha- we all have that. Mm. Like we don't know, don't know everything, everything, as you said before. Yeah. And so that's a totally normal feeling. And, and I agree, it is taking that, that step and putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation. But sometimes I do find that it's easier said than done. Like you yeah. and I do that and we encourage each other and I'm sure you two both encourage each other to push yourselves. But sometimes you can find yourself self-sabotaging and getting in the way and that's when, you know, you need to kind of figure out, okay, well, what's going on here? How can I move forward? Um, and I think that self-compassion, that kindness is one way of doing it. There was another thing that I did one time which I found really, really helpful and I think this will be helpful for listeners, which, you know, oftentimes when, you know, you don't want to do something, it is your ego trying to protect you, right? We all have that ego. We all have that kind of voice in our head that's saying, don't do it because otherwise you're going to make an absolute mess of it and you're going to embarrass yourself. And so I remember like we we did a show like at the SB kind of, I think it was the start of last yeah. year. And, yeah. you know, it was the first time we'd kind of got on stage with a big crowd. And again, you know, those those um, those voices inside our heads were saying, you know, you're not journalists, you know, why are you up there? We were up there interviewing a journalist. Like it was kind of, you know, ironic. And I remember walking um, through onto the stage and I decided at that moment to kind of just check my ego. And I just said, okay, ego, like you're staying here. I'm going on stage. Like I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. We could bomb. It could go wonderfully. It doesn't really matter because it's the first time. And we'll come to the first time saying in a minute, which I love. (laughs) It was the first time that we were really doing something on this scale and you know, just even kind of removing that ego and leaving it at the door for that, like, whatever it was, half an hour, whatever it was, you know, we're on stage, just allowed you to go on and serve and just act in a way that, like, it wasn't about me. It literally wasn't about me. It was about everyone else. It was about the person on the stage. It was about the cause that we were there for and just go and do the best job that you can possibly do. And so I said to the ego, I'll come pick you up later. Like <laughs> you you hang out there for a bit. You know, you can tell me if I was shit later, whatever, I don't care. And, you know, went off stage and, and it was fine and it was absolutely fine. And even if it wasn't fine, even if it did bomb, Again, it's that learning experience. And we have this saying, and, you know, God, I love Brené Brown. I don't know if you guys, yeah, we love Brené. Like, you know, read all the books, (laughs) listened to all the books, the podcast, love it. And she has this saying, which is, you know, this is the first time we're doing something. And, like, that is that bit where, like, you know, you're saying go take that action. And, yes, you have to take that action, but it can be frightening. And if you look at it and go, okay, this is the first time I am white-knuckling it, I am climbing this mountain – I am going to make mistakes regardless. Like that's just the nature of the beast. It makes it so much easier to walk into and to try and to have that growth mindset and go, what can I actually learn from this rather than feel like I need to control the outcome? And I think for us as well, like we, it's it's almost like a value that we live in our yeah. business, both for us and when we onboard people, it's like, you know, this whole notion of fucking first time, it's mm-hmm. like you can fail. Mm. we give ourselves permission to fail. Like anytime we take on a new project, like we've just built a whole e-commerce platform for our um, merchandise and, you know, the physical product is new for us. 
And we have walked into this project with an acknowledgement that we will screw up. <laughs> like we will. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. Like something's going to go wrong, whether we choose the wrong logistics partner or whether, you know, the product isn't 100% right <laughs> or whether like it absolutely tanks, which hopefully it won't, but we will make mistakes and it is so fine because at least we are pushing the business forward mm. and we're taking risks. And I think that framework yeah. fucking first time, having that as something that you can articulate is really powerful. To name it. Yeah. To name it. And like you, and, and taking the power back, isn't yeah, totally. it? Like I love failing now. That sounds weird, but like, I just don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. I'm like, uh, cool. Like I failed again, but like I now have that kind of um, framework around what did we learn? What can yeah, we do totally. better next time? Um, and it is helpful to name things. Like it's always so helpful to name things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just like understanding like our strengths and our values. We name those. Understanding this whole concept of failure and fucking first time. Um, you know, it just kind of gives that, yeah, gives us the power back. I love that. I love that. And I will be using FFT. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not FFT. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Um, I mean, it's the same thing. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think what you said about it means that you're always open for growth. Mm. I think is is so powerful, and I think as well, just having as you said, naming it, you give it so much power in your head, mm. and you just naming it actually is. I find that as well the way my my brain works. I'm going to use that because it's kind of like now I can put it to the side and and focus on you know mm. and and what you said about the um, when you went on stage for the first time mm. and you guys aren't journalists, mm. um, and that's probably what your self-doubt or your imposter syndrome was Mm. kind of telling you. And that I completely agree with. I mean, even with with this podcast, it's been something that Seth and I have always been conscious of. And I think when you're conscious of it and then you might read feedback from someone else that validates your self-doubt, it's literally the worst piece of feedback um, to read when that that voice in your head that's telling you you're not good enough and then someone says it to you and you're like, oh, God, Mm. okay, well, that's correct. And not letting that kind of hold you back because you're right, if you don't move forward, then you're just going to be stuck at kind of point zero. And I always kind of relate it to running in that (laughs) if you've never run before and you – because you're scared you're going to fail – you might, if you never start, you're literally never going to be able to run. Yeah. But you, if you start now and you go for six weeks, yes, you might not be able to, you know, we're watching the, we're, we're yeah. watching the Olympics. <laughs> you're not going to be able to go and run the 400 or whatever at, at that pace, but you're going to be in a better position than you were at, at point zero. Definitely. And it's so important to remember that and not let that self-doubt take over because I think, and I think what you said as well about how there's a TED talk, um, mm. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about imposter syndrome. And the person who's taking the TED talk speaks about all of the most successful people in the world that have imposter And I agree. I don't like the word syndrome, but yeah. you know, they have those thoughts in their head yep. and that is validating. Cause it's like, hang on, mm. this person is like a billionaire yeah. and he's, you know, they've, they've had so much success and they still feel that. So it is, yep. it's okay. Everybody feels it. Absolutely everyone does. And that's like just acknowledging that um, and understanding that. It's the human condition. Like, let's be real. It is. It is. It is. It is how we're wired. We are wired to protect, to protect ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. It's like fight or flight. <laughs> and I think, yeah, acknowledging that and just like taking the small action, like you said, running literally like around the block or sending that one email that might be the kickstart you need to, you know, 
start your idea or, or you know, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. It's like the small – I was listening to this podcast yesterday. <laughs> I can't remember who it was by but it was um, it was on the Knowledge Project and it was a psychologist. I can't remember his name. But he was talking about tiny habits and how if you're looking to affect change in your life, break it down to the tiniest possible habit, like the tiniest possible change that you can make, start there. So he was talking about somebody who was trying to improve their diet and he's like, you know, don't start by eating – two vegetables at every Mm. meal start by eating one tiny vegetable at one meal you know like when you break it down to the tiniest possible behavior change it makes it more achievable and more you know yeah more achievable and it kind of kickstarts that process which is momentum on the way and the way to do that actually so yeah there's some really great science behind creating habits and that is how we change our behavior at the end of the day and you can do that it's really three simple steps it's cue routine and reward so to cue up your behavior it could be something simple it's like okay I'm going to leave my runners right by my bed so when I kind of get out of bed I have to put my feet in my runners or it could be um, again putting your yoga mat down next to your bed so when you kind of stand up you're kind of on there and it's almost a bit defeating to like walk off the yoga mat and not do a practice so what can you cue up um, the habit that you're trying to kind of you know um, start right and then it's the routine so it's that routine of practice and it could literally be 10 minutes a day it doesn't have to be anything grand it doesn't you don't have to go running for an hour you could run for 10 minutes five minutes a minute it doesn't matter it could just be what is the routine that you're going to do and what are you going to commit to every day so you've queued it up you've got the routine which it could be you know you choose your length and then there's a reward so our brains react to kind of you know um, obviously being rewarded and so you get that hit of dopamine you're like yep great I'm off like I've done a good job so that reward could be something as simple as you know having your daily coffee so you're not allowed to have your daily coffee until you've actually gone and practiced you know that that thing that you're trying to um, create a habit out of so yeah I think you know it's really simple if you kind of break it down into queuing it up doing the routine and then rewarding yourself with something that you know you you really want in that day um, that's an easy way to kind of establish um, a habit. See, this is why we could have asked you a hundred million questions <laughs> because you just have so much to offer. Um, but I want to take it back to self-doubt for a moment. Mm. And I think when we, when a lot of people were in lockdown, um, even a lot of friends of mine, they had a lot of space and a lot of time um, to kind of question what they were doing in life. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of people have gone through that, especially with their career of choice and everything yeah. like that. And we often get, you know, um, DNM sent through about, you know, making that step of changing their career path or even uni path. And I think for people assessing that, um, what's your advice, I think, for maybe maybe someone who's in lockdown currently and is questioning what they're doing and thinking, you know what, I want to go and do my own thing or I want to go do this instead. What's your advice to them? I think my first sort of piece of advice for those in lockdown and questioning whether they want to stay on the same path is like first give yourself permission to take the space while you're in lockdown to reflect. Um, Kind of to your point before, like when we're in lockdown, we're like, oh, we need to be productive. We need to get fit. We need to cook. We need to work on the business. We need to do X, Y, and Z. And when you're in that state of doing, you can't sit back and reflect and really figure out what you want to do. So I think the first part is like give yourself permission to just sit and like sit in the discomfort. And then for me, I mean, I went through a big period last year during lockdown of like 
reflection and self-discovery, I guess, and thinking about the business and where we wanted to take it. And for me, the way that I did that is through journaling, through writing, and everyone's different. But I think whichever way you can figure out to express kind of and reflect on um, on where you're at. For me, it was writing. Um, I think, I don't know, for you it was... Writing, Writing, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you and and yeah, it's finding a way to process your thoughts. And I think, you know, if that is writing for you, great. Could be doing a video diary. Like someone mm. said to me the other day, I want to start recording myself and, but, you know, speaking to camera and that's a way for me to a, improve my um, performance in, in kind of speaking to camera, but also to process my thoughts and to start thinking about what it is I want for the next stage of my life. And I love that. I thought that was really mm. creative, really different. Um, it could be drawing, you know, it could be simply kind of just whatever it is in your brain, your head, whatever you're processing at the time, whatever, you know, you're thinking about kind of moving into career-wise or, you know, personally, um, you know, drawing it out, um, doing a vision board again, yeah. you know, like we've done those before and I know it's, you know, like people, some some it's divi- some people think some it's people lame, love it, some, some people, people love it. it. I mean, I love it. It's a visual, it's visually creative. It's, it's, it, it's a reflection of, you know, again, what do I want my life to look like? Um, so that's another way of doing it. But yeah, for me, it was also journaling. And I think that is important to start to process, okay, where am I at right now? What is making me uncomfortable or what are giving me these thoughts around why do I want to change my path or what, what am I missing? You know, what's not, what's not quite hitting the spot and you have to, it's, it's, it's quite, um, confronting, confronting. Yeah, it is confronting, isn't it? You have to you have to be really vulnerable, and you have, um, to, and you yeah, have to be honest. Yeah, and you have to kind of be real with yourself and be like, "What's not working? Mm. You know, what's what's causing me to feel like this isn't the right thing?" I think it's also important to kind of step back and go, "What are my values? Mm. You know, do I value creativity? And am, and I, am I in a job where I don't have that opportunity to be creative?" Like I think stepping back and really assessing your values because really we want to be doing work that aligns with our values. Um, yeah. But the first piece is you have to understand what your values are. So right? we, we take a values assessment every yeah. year and I've been doing this for quite a while and, um, you know, there's there are a few out there. We use the VIA um, character assessment and it's a list of 24 values that are universally kind of understood um, and recognised and, and it would they, this list of 24 values were created by scientists, which I love. But, you know, we do this and we understand what each other's personal values are, but what are our collective values and are we on the path? And I think if you're doing work that doesn't align to your values... Oh, it just feels so uncomfortable. Mm. It's really, really difficult to kind of front up each day. And you can do it for a little while. You know, I worked in an industry that like just definitely wasn't aligned to kind of my values and the work wasn't aligned to my values. But you can do it for a bit, but then you start to question like, okay, is this really what I want to be doing, where I want to be spending my time? And so I think understanding your values, definitely. That reflection piece, journaling, going deep, being real. And I think once you kind of start to kind of get through that and, you know, you've, you're starting to answer your own questions, I think the next piece is to reach out to someone, be it a career coach or a business coach or some a mentor, a friend, have that conversation and get them to ask you questions and get them to kind of provide that counsel, you know, and, and help you just try to figure out what's the next step. And I know I did that at one point in my career. I was really lost and I was like, this is not fulfilling. Um, and I picked up the phone and I called, you know, a business a career coach and she was amazing. You know, she really helped me navigate the kind of next step. 
um, on the journey for me. And so, you know, there are people out there that are actually experts in this and that can help you kind of figure out, all right, if this is not where you want to be, this is where you could go to. And oftentimes the best ideas that we have are not like the first or the second. It's like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. It's like ABCD. Like what are all the different ideas out there? And like I went out and started my own business at 25, you know, and that was definitely not something that I had thought about. It was these career coaches that were like, would you ever do that? Would you ever go out on your own? And it's like, that's not something that I came up with. But having those conversations and that dialogue with someone from an outsider perspective was really helpful and set me on a path to where I am now. So don't be afraid to reach out to others and ask for advice. Yeah, I think especially the values piece, given that we operate in, I mean, we exist in this world on social media and I think also going through last year, there's a lot of things that we couldn't usually, you know, do or control that made us really uncomfortable. And I think it's led to a lot of people questioning what they're doing in their careers and their life. And I feel like, I mean, I I feel very lucky to be very fulfilled in in the work that I do, but I, I really feel for people that are questioning it because it would be hard to decipher whether it's because of what you, you know, the fact that you can't take your international holiday that you save for every year and that's what you work for um, or that you're working from home and you love being around people or if it's actually your job. And I think also we compare so much on social media and I think sometimes we're making decisions not based on what our values are and what Mm. we want. It's based on what we see others doing and thinking, I need that. But then when you get it, it's like, hang on, I'm not fulfilled. That was someone else's life and values, not, not mine such a good point like yeah the comparison trap or just looking at someone else's life and going oh that's that's what I want and that's never a good thing Mm. no you know you have to run your own race like you have to and that again it comes back to understanding what your values are what your passions are and trying not to look too far afield like that's gonna derail you but that is interesting the whole idea you know I want to say that this is where we're at right now in life is temporary and look it is it feels like it's been dragging on for a long time and you know it's not helpful when we don't really know you know when we're all going to be able to travel internationally but you're right you know I think sometimes you can confuse your feelings of um almost like apathy and just I'm tired and I want a holiday and I want to travel overseas and I want to see my family and all those things confuse that with I hate my job, you know, or like this isn't my career. So that is a really good point that you raise. And I think, again, it comes back to like really tuning Mm. into yourself Mm. and it's like, you know, it's easy. We spend so much time on social media. It's really easy to see other people and be like, oh, cool, like this is where I should be heading or I don't feel good enough because I don't have this life that Mm. I see other people having. But, again, like, you know, lockdown is so freaking hard and I really Mm. empathise for everybody who's in it at the moment. But, you know, if you can take the time as and like look at it as an opportunity to take a step back and reflect and you know we don't have all of the all of the demands on our time like we used to well you know some some of us don't for parents I think it's probably a different (laughs) scenario right yeah but if you have that opportunity and that that time to reflect like take it and you know what's really exciting like we're in a time where you can do anything so if you do decide like what you know maybe you're in lockdown and you know you have your job and and Maybe you love it. Maybe you don't love it so much. But you have the opportunity to start doing something on the side. You know, the mm. whole world is open to you. We've got, you know, it, it's amazing. As, you know, Anna said, we set up our e-commerce. You could set up an e-commerce site and start selling drawings. You could do anything. And I think that's exciting. You only have to do one little thing that's going to move you in the direction that you want to head. One little thing a day. 
it can be so small. Yeah. And that's what's exciting is that you have the power, you have the control to be able to start moving yourself in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. Actually, I think one of the things we haven't spoken about is like take the time to explore what you're passionate about. Mm. You know, one thing that I did last year as a coping mechanism was write, but in the process I realised that I love writing. Like I'm passionate about it. And, you know, I found ways to integrate that more into our business, which is amazing. But I would have never really discovered this kind of like untapped passion that I had if I hadn't have taken the time to explore it. So I think it's like take take those little kernels of ideas mm. that you think that you might be interested in and have a crack, like have a go and explore it while you've got the time. And I think they are often the things that lead you to a realisation or to an opportunity. Um, if we follow those kernels of interest mm-hmm. and passion and if we remain curious and open to them that's kind of where you figure out like oh actually I really love this thing that I you know didn't mm-hmm. realize that I did um and we have like the opportunity to do that now which is good and I think I love the way that you put that Anna that it's a journey and it's not I think we have especially through the podcast we get a lot of questions from our community about you know our, they might be in year 12 mm-hmm. or uni and mm-hmm. they're saying I, I don't know what I want to do and I, I should know and how do I know and how do I work it out I, I don't know what I like and what I don't like and I think the only way to find out is to actually you know explore when those things come up because I mean you've been working in how long have you worked in your business for now almost four, four years four years and you kind of have just discovered totally this love for writing and it's really nice to hear that I think and for, and for anyone listening that is struggling you just need to try things to find there's there's no yeah. There's no kind of room you can walk into where your brain goes through all of the things and then it says, this is for you. You have to explore yourself and and it takes time. 100%. And we would – it was so funny. A couple of days ago we were on a podcast actually for our high school. So Caitlin and I went to high school together and they've just started their own podcast. What school did you go to? We went to Korowa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the questions they asked us was around – did you know what you wanted to do when you were in year 12? Mm-hmm. And both of us were like, nah. No like, way. I wanted to be a spy when I was in high school. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Did a movie inspire that or just? <laughs> I had no idea. I and mean, we were telling these year 12 students, like, your, your career is never linear, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we have ended up at 30, 30, in our early 30s in media, but we, you know, we didn't have a traditional trajectory to get here. Um, and so I think, you know, when you're really young and you have no idea what you want to do, you're not meant to know. Yeah. No one knows. Like, I mean, some people know and that's amazing, but most people don't. And I think if you are open and curious, that's the way that you can learn what, you, what you're passionate about, what you're driven by, what excites you. Um, and Yeah, and don't be de- derailed by that narrative of like you have to find that one thing that like what is that one passion that, you know, you're destined to do – bullshit you can be multi-passionate you can have many interests you can follow all of those and you can find as Anna said we found ourselves you know owning it like you know obviously we're in business and media and here we are but that's not what we set out to do and it's just by following the different little seeds of interest that we managed to find ourselves here so you know if you are you know listening and you're coming out of school or you still even you could be at any age and you're like I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I want to do just find that one little thing that interests you and just start following that and pursuing that and then find another thing and it they can be so random doesn't even have to be anything to do with kind of where you're at um at the moment career-wise or business-wise but yeah I think um that was a fun chat with 
Yeah, school. It was. <laughs> it, was. <laughs> it, was. it was so cute. It was so gorgeous. <laughs> and, and we, I mean, even even on that with mm. kind of exploring yourself, you can also do that at work. Mm. I, mean, I know we have a lot of mm. people at, at Kick that have started with us in one role. And while they're still in kind of in that role, it's they've found things within the role that they love. And as we've yeah. grown, they've been able to hyper-focus yeah. on those things and grow in that one area when what they started in might have been a little mm. bit broader. And I think it's important as well to remember that even if you, you go into a role, it might be marketing, you might find, I mean, marketing is a, there's a lot of things broad. that come under the hat of marketing. Yeah. And so yeah, you yeah. might start in a junior marketing role and then realise that you really love, uh, so social media might yep. be your passion and then, you know, really go down that path. Do you know what it's called? Yeah. Job crafting. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> and I love this idea because, you know, you can go in and, I, and I've done this a few times and it wasn't until, uh, so I learned this concept, oh, I don't know maybe like eight years ago, but, and I, and I had been doing it. So like, you know, when I, I did an internship and I know I think we're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, I did this internship and there were so many opportunities. Like you, you had the, the description of this is what you need to do. But then they were like, I was like, oh, could I go and do that over there? And could I try that? And, and I would just go to my supervisor and ask, can I start this concept or can we try this? And can we do that? And so I started to craft the role to like what I wanted it to look like and to what my interests were. And most of the time they said yes. So it's pretty amazing. Like you just need to ask and you can start to look at your job and your role and say, hey, how can I craft this in a way that um, is more aligned to what I want to do and what interests me? So yeah, job crafting, go look it up. It's really, really, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, that was very much my experience at Mecca as well. Mm. Like when I started, I was in a relatively junior role and it it was really, really broad. But anytime anyone needed help, on anything specific, like related closely to the project I was working on in any area of the business, I'd be like, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'll assist on a photo shoot yeah. or like I'll help create this deck or I'll um, come and, you know, help out in the warehouse. And it was, it was, it's, a, it's an opportunity again to explore exactly what you like in a business context. And also I think from a founder or a business owner perspective, like how great if you're employing people who take initiative and who are entrepreneurial and excited to learn and, you know, it only will stand you in good stead to, Mm. you know, you know, um, what's the word? Um, Progress in your career. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think especially from, I mean, talking about internships, Mm. if you had someone, I mean, in we currently don't have any interns in Kick, but I completely agree. If you had someone who you might you might have tasked them with, obviously it's an entry kind of a level position. Yeah. You task them with you know the things that you need done, but then if they come to you and say, actually, I've been thinking about this thing, amazing, go for it. That's yeah. showing that initiative is, is so important. So with internships, how important are they, and what what are your thoughts on them? I mean, it's interesting. I only did one internship, um, so I. My experience, the value of an internship in my experience was I did something that I hated. (laughs) I did an internship that I really, really didn't like. And I think internships can tell you or teach you as much about what you like um, and what you don't like as well. And I think I wish I'd done more because I wish that I had had more exposure to different sorts of businesses and different sorts of industries. But truthfully, I didn't do many. Um, But I definitely see the value in them for sure. Mm. So my experience was a little different. I did a few and I <laughs> I also discovered what I didn't like. I did one at a kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, I love kids, but that was tough. Uh, that was a tough internship. I was like, okay, I don't think I want to be in childcare, but, you know, God bless everyone that is. Um, that was tough. Um, so I did that one and I discovered that that's not the, the path for me. Um, I did an internship at um, at a theatre, the Adrian Arsh, 
theatre in uh, Miami. It's the second biggest theatre in America. And it was so fabulous. I love the arts. I love, you know, drama and musicals and all that kind of stuff. And that's where I started to kind of job craft that role. Um, and I, that's, it opened my eyes to kind of performance. It opened my eyes to media because I was in the marketing media role. Um, and I learned so much there and it was a really fabulous experience. I actually ended up going back and doing a second one there. Um, and I did a couple of other internships that again, yeah, kind of showed me what I didn't want to do. But when you do find that one that opens your eyes and they really have a strong um, program for you to learn, that's an invaluable experience, especially when you're younger because, you know, you don't have that experience. You, it's not like you can kind of walk into a, a you know, a big high-paying role. But, um, but you kind of – you're in there and you're almost like – because you're the intern, you have permission to kind of just go and play and try all the things and that's really cool really really fun so yeah I think they're invaluable and I um I loved my time as an intern but yeah I guess two different kind of experiences yeah well that's what you said though earlier about just trying little things Mm. um and I suppose that's what internships are all about to discover if it's a space you actually want to play in so you guys have had some really incredible women on your podcast um, and I'm sure have, have learned a lot. Is there a piece of advice, maybe each of you can kind of answer this question, that yep. really stuck with you, your, your favourite piece of advice that you've got from someone that you've had on your podcast? There have been so many. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> so hard to distill it into just one. But I think um, one of the best lessons or pieces of advice came from Maeva. So Maeva's the founder of Bread Beauty Supply and she's actually the original co-founder of Lady Brains as well. So the three of us started the business together. But she said to, she said to us, every single opportunity in life comes through a person. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. And I was like, that is so true. Every incredible opportunity that we've had in our business and in our career has come through an individual or someone mm. that we've met. And I think the lesson there is like the important relationship building and yeah. meeting people. And I, I hate the word networking because mm. it makes it sound yeah. really like clinical and shit. Mm-hmm. Putting yourself out there. But meeting people and mm. building really long-term like beneficial relationships with them will only pay off in the long term. I mean, you know, one of our, the biggest partnership that we've had today, Fashion Week, came through um, someone that we met on LinkedIn. Mm. Like mm-hmm. those incredible opportunities come through people. That's how you get access to new mm. new opportunities, new people, new projects. And so I think taking the time to really build relationships, put yourself out there and build relationships mm. is probably one of the best pieces of advice mm. for sure. It's so great because we chat to all these amazing women and then we can take all that information and go up, go and apply it. and implement it to yeah. our business. And honestly, like uh, every single interview, like I just get goosebumps or there's tears or something happens because you're just like, yeah, wow, this is real. And, and there's been, inc- have been incredible lessons that have come out of these conversations. But um, if I have to pick one, if I have to pick one, oh, I'm like torn between two. But I'll pick one. <laughs> I think it's, and I know, you know, this is said a lot. And, I, and again, people are like, yeah, but how? But I think, I think it's so important to really trust your gut and trust mm. your intu- intuition. And again, that can be easy to say and harder to implement mm. and harder to actually tune into. And I feel like it's gotten stronger for me over the last 18 months when, you know, you're faced with, something like a pandemic and, you know, you're often stripped of so many kind of external or outside um, 
comforts, uh, contacts, other people. You know, you kind of we kind of isolated ourselves a little. I know I did. Like it was sometimes just too hard to talk to people. You go inwards, and we went inwards, and we journaled, and we spoke to each other, and you know, we tried to kind of navigate. You know, last year and 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 still this year as best as we possibly can, but quite often we have the answer within us and we know whether or not an opportunity or a person or the path that we're going down is the right one. And you just have to keep coming back to that and exercising that muscle and trusting in yourself because the answer is usually there. You're not always going to get it right, but you are going to get it right more often than not. And so really kind of, yeah, trusting that, trusting your gut, trusting your intuition um, and using that to help you make decisions along with like, you know, obviously looking at the spreadsheet and looking at the numbers and looking at all the stats and what's working, but you kind of know, you just know, and you don't always have to go out and seek other people's opinions or approval. So I think, you know, that is definitely something that I've learned um, just through conversations with our guests. Um, They've said the same thing, trust your gut, trust your own belief and knowing because it's in there but also from practice and and just from our experiences over the last 18 months so yeah love that yeah I love that I I think with that last piece of advice on not having to speak to everyone about your decision Mm. before you make it and and trusting your gut so important because I think I mean for us especially we often we love getting advice from other people and then we have you know mentors I suppose that we go and and ask but Mm. what we've learned is it's important to only have a few if you have too many Mm, if you've got one thing and you're going like it's okay to have separate people you go to for different things Mm. but if you go to 10 people for one thing everyone's going to have a different opinion and then sometimes it can just lead you to be in a position of more confused in the first place and then you're so far from your gut because you've got 10 other people's opinions there that that may be more experienced than you so you're thinking oh I have to trust them and you don't know where to go. It takes me back to a conversation we had with someone last year that we really respect like someone who has built a really huge business and and is so um so intelligent and we really really respect her opinion and she suggested that we go down a certain path and we explored that for a long time and we really intently listened to her because we respected her opinion and her judgment but ultimately it was totally the wrong direction for us and it probably set us back a couple of months to be honest because we were so focused on doing something that ultimately didn't really feed into our bigger vision mm-hmm. and where we wanted to take the take the business so I think it's important to fact find and sort of seek information from people. But if it clutters your own decision-making process, sometimes you just have to be like, no, sorry. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just trust yourself. Yeah. Yep. We've been working with – actually, we spoke about um, Gabrielle. Our, yeah. She's on our advisory board when we, we were on your podcast yep. and, and how fantastic she's been. And one thing she said to us is you need to take my advice on board, but you need to make – you and Steph need to make the final decisions mm. because we've – throughout you know our journey of kick we have diverted off our path due to opinions of others and you know us just thinking you know you know actually you know more than us so you just run with it and you know we'll what you do will be right and I think sometimes there is a big risk in putting too much trust in others and now we're we're in a position where you know over four years we've we've kind of had to undo quite quite a few things and it's 
it's hard, you know, you, you move backwards when you have to undo things and you kind of think, oh, goodness me, I wish I wish I trusted my gut in the first place. So I, I completely agree. I think even if someone has – there's sometimes when someone with 50 years' experience will give you advice that will help you grow your business, but there are sometimes people with 50 years of experience that will – or maybe not even that many years, but that are more experienced than you that will send you down a path that actually mm. – is not the right one and yeah. you're the only one who really knows if you run your business because you got it to where it is now 100 mm. percent. So i think that's really good advice yeah. i don't think people talk about it enough because no. i think it's listen to the mentors and you know do what they say but actually it's not always the best case yeah. and also like if you don't take on board the advice and you make a mistake great mm. because you're learning for yourself yeah. Mm. Yeah. you know like Someone can tell you a million times, like, you know, do this, don't do this, but until you make the mistake and do it yourself, that's when you learn the lesson. So the failure is not a bad thing. Like if you don't take the advice and you make a wrong turn, it's totally fine, you'll course correct. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what you said about what Gabrielle said to us, I think the really amazing thing that she's given us as well has is like empowering us to make those decisions yeah. and like uh, is, you know, for our situation, it's like, okay, you've got the business to where it is. Like you launched it. This is incredible and has made us feel really great as a third party kind of mm. looking into the business. It's amazing. It's built our confidence up so much. And then even if a mentor is talking to you as someone who is thinking about taking a plunge and you haven't started a business yet, that mentor should make you like validate how amazing that you're going to make that step is. And again, empower you to make that decision yourself. Um, I think it, it's really important because then as well, mm. like if something does go wrong, you don't then have someone to blame. It's on you. It's on you. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. And it should be. It should yeah. Be it you. should be on you. I love the word they use there, empower. Mm. Like how nice is that to have someone empower you to make the right decision? And that is what it should be. Mm. You know, again, you know, fact find and, and seek mentors. I absolutely think that that's what you need to do. But having people empower you and believe in you to make the right decision – that's powerful. Yeah. Mm. That's where that's yeah. where the magic happens, you know, and we are the ones that have to get up and run our business every day, right? Mm. You guys have to, you know, get up and run yours. We have to get up and run ours and we have to sit and feel comfortable with every decision that we make. Mm. And when you do feel comfortable, those failures mm. just kind of, they start to run off your back because you know mm. that you acted with intent, you acted in a way that aligns to what you want to truly build. Mm. So, yeah, I think um, trust your gut. Well, what an amazing piece <laughs> of wisdom to finish on. That was awesome. As, as we kind of said at the start, we could literally talk. I know. I know. <laughs> so thank you so, so much um, for, your, for your time. And Pri, I've learned so much sitting here. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, oh, thanks for so having welcome. us. Welcome. Thank you. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat. We'll chuck the girls' information in our show notes. As always, we'll be back next Wednesday with a new KickPod episode. As Laura mentioned at the start of the episode, if you would like to try out Kick, we have a seven-day free trial. You can head to www.keepitcleaner.com and sign up today. And if you want to find more of us outside of the podcast and the website, we are on Instagram at keepitcleaner, at laura.henshaw and at Steph Claire Smith. We'll chat to you next week. Bye. <laughs>